0: Let's foray into Nevada's wild spaces. This is a half an hour adventure with the Nevada Department of Wildlife. This is Nevada Wild.
1: on mountain.
0: Welcome to Nevada Wild, brought to you by the Nevada Department of Wildlife. I am Ashley Sanchez here with Aaron Keller and it's bat week we're excited we love bat week and we thought one of the perfect people to come and join us would be Jess brooks our southern region wildlife educator she's been on a few times recently talking about all of her educational programs and of course those programs also cover bats so welcome Jess. thanks for joining us over the phone
1: thanks so much for
0: having me of course and right before we got started Well, first off, happy Bat Week. Happy Bat Week. (laughs) And right before we got started, we were just saying you do so many educational programs. We just wanted to hear everything you do. There's a lot of myths surrounding bats. For example, they're always talked about around Halloween because people associate them with creepy, spooky things. But really, bats are awesome. And you're one of the people that gets that word out there that helps us spread that message. So what are some of the educational programs you've done recently educating the public on bats?
1: Yeah, we have a ton of bat walks mostly during the summer. That's when the southern region has a lot of bat activity. So any time between mid-May and mid-September, we'll do two to three bat walks a week which are super fun, they're very educational, and it kind of gets people thinking about how we can help bats, how bats help us, but we also take people on a short little walk around a little body of water. For example, we'll go to Lake Mead, we go to Boulder City, we've even done... other urban ponds in the past so we'll go on a little mini walk around the water and look for and listen for bats but once the weather cools off a little bit once we get that first chill like right now it's a little chilly we actually don't have that much that activity to look for or listen for so even though it's that week we are still super excited to celebrate bats but it in a little bit different way since we don't have a lot of that activity here
0: okay so oh sorry
1: (laughs) (laughs) but the other programs we have range you know uh bat walks are extremely popular and they usually fill up pretty quickly but we also do you know owl programs we do owl pellet dissection which is very fun We do coyote programs, living with wildlife programs. We even visit the schools and do state symbol programs. So we're kind of all over the place, bouncing around from topic to topic, but all of them are centralized around Nevada wildlife.
0: Exactly, and you could go back a few weeks if you look at our podcast stream on SoundCloud and we had Jess on um, and Lauren, uh, our urban wildlife coordinator, and they were talking all about the different awesome programs they have going on. And then um, just so that's interesting, we have Bat Week in October. People associate bats with October, but we actually don't have really – our walks are over for the year because when is prime bat activity? You said it's more in the summertime, right?
1: Yeah, it's more towards the summer warmer months, and that's just because there are – a lot of insects around that time, and that's when bats are not hibernating or brumating. And that's also when they're not um, migrating or traveling to a warmer place. So, what, yeah, once that first chill happens, bat activity significantly drops. We still hear them a little bit in the evenings, but not as much. Not nearly as much as the warmer months in the summer.
0: How? What do they even sound like? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how you describe it. But how? What can? Are they easy to hear?
1: They're not. They're super hard to hear. Extremely difficult to hear. So, uh, two of the things that we do when we take people on a guided bat discovery walk is we, you know, of course we have an introduction, you know, introduce bats and how cool they are, talk about all their interesting adaptations, but we also task folks with two things. One is looking for bats, and they are also difficult to see, you know, they're smaller, they blend in with the night sky very well, but the second thing is we're going to be listening for bats. And they're really hard to hear just with the naked ear, but all of our wildlife education coordinators have a little device that uh, is very cool. You plug it into a smart device like your phone or an iPad or a tablet, and it will recognize that call when they echolocate, you know, when they navigate and hunt for food, and will transform those super high-pitched frequencies down to a level that we can hear. To the level that human ears can listen to and it sort of sounds like a bird chirping pretty quickly it's very cool and I always like to see everyone's jaw drop a little bit the first time they hear it they're always like wow I didn't I didn't have any idea that it sounded like that but they're pretty hard to hear without this little device
0: it is very cool when you hear those sounds on that device. And um, we actually, we posted something last year that I've reshared this year. Um, so head to our Facebook and you could actually listen to those calls. It's crazy. It's so interesting. Um, Jess, what else are you. So you said you actually have done some. I know all the bat walks are over, but you have done some classroom visits.
1: We have done. It depends on where we are. Here in the southern region, we have done some classroom virtual visits. And, you know, virtual visits because of the pandemic and coming back into the classroom has been difficult for some of us. But when we go virtual, we can actually meet with multiple classrooms at the same time. You know, we can have two, three, four, five, <laughs> way more uh, classrooms all at once meeting, and they get to see my office, which is kind of cool. But also, I get to talk with hundreds of students all at the same time. And all my coworkers, even in other parts of Nevada, will probably say the same thing. You know, we've been able to meet with students all over the state just from one location. So it's been really cool. That's
2: Very awesome. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, virtual has definitely opened up a, a whole new... Avenue for the Department of Wildlife.
1: Yeah, and we'll we'll have online interactive materials. We'll even mail out some materials or hand deliver to the office of the school. So when we do meet and talk about bats and how cool they are, the students will have materials to play with and interact with during the lesson. So it's not just me talking <laughs> for fifty-five minutes, <laughs> but the kids get to um, you know we play. Games some puzzles, and we have some worksheets and stuff that they get to go through.
0: Okay, and I know we've covered this in previous podcasts, but just if any classrooms think this sounds cool, they want to get it in their classroom, um, do they just reach out to you?
1: Yeah, they can reach out to any of us if you, or if any teacher visits our website, depending on what region you're in, you can, or they can uh, contact whoever is responsible for that programming in that region. So if you're in the southern region, you'll contact me, and my name is right on there, and my email address is right on there. But we also have two other wildlife coordinators in the western region and the eastern region. But we also have, like, Angler, too, and Urban, and all sorts of different programs.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of fun programs on there, and we have just uh, talking from the southern region today, but we also have all those programs along with bat walks in our other regions too. So head on there and check that out. Um, I'm going to switch gears a little away from just the education that you do and get into what are some of the things that you teach people about bats. Do you have any fun facts for us? Sure. So
1: the first thing that we talk about with um, visitors and guests when we chat about bats is we have a ton of bats. In Nevada that we don't necessarily realize. We have over 20 species, nine of which are on the endangered species list, which is really a unique situation for our lovely state, and most of them are under a foot in wingspan. So when we're out looking and listening for bats, they're small critters, and they're very hard to see, very hard to listen to. Most, if not all of them, eat insects, So that's one huge way that bats help us. They eat the insects that eat us, and they eat the insects that eat our food, our crops. So having bats around is extremely important for our health and our well-being. You know, we don't want to get eaten up by mosquitoes or gnats, and we also don't want to lose the food that we eat. Bats eat all kinds of insects. They eat moths, mosquitoes, of course. Um, they can even eat ground-dwelling insects and arachnids like spiders, scorpions. We have a bat that specializes in hunting low to the ground and eats scorpions, centipedes. I even have a picture of a bat eating like a small frog. Wow. So they have a wider variety of a diet than we originally think, but most of them still eat insects. and and that, So that's just one interesting thing to think about is how bats help us. But also, um, bats are pretty difficult to study. So we do some bat studies here and there, and I've been fortunate to participate in some bat studies, and they're super-duper fun. Very interesting being able to see a bat up close is pretty cool. And depending on the the bat walk that we take people on, sometimes we do get to see them up close. Bats are also the only mammals capable of true flight. You know, they can fly on their own. Birds can fly, but they're not mammals. And we also have, um, you know, flying squirrels, but they don't fly. They just glide from point A to point B. And I always have my guests pretend they're a bat (laughs) for a moment and then imagine the strange uniqueness of what their body structure might be. So their ears would be huge because they wouldn't be able to see very well, so they need those big ears to listen. And then they would also have those huge, wide, long fingers for their wings, and then they would have skin webbing between each finger. So I give everyone in my class a moment to imagine what it would be like to be a bat. (laughs) And we also have some short games that we play just to help everyone envision what it would be like to use echolocation to navigate their world, because we can see pretty well. Bats aren't blind, but they can't see very well at night. So we have some echolocation games. Um, We have some fun facts that we run through I have bat specimens that I share um, and then we listen to bats at the same time and the device that we use I didn't mention this earlier but the device that we use can identify the bat species we're listening to it's not a hundred percent accurate but it is very cool to see, we might be listening to this, bat right now, and then look up and then see it, maybe getting a drink of water or flying around above our heads. So it's very, uh, it's so entertaining, and it's so, um, oh, it's such a unique experience.
0: Very cool, Jess. You have Aaron and I here pretending and thinking what it would be like to be a bat. <laughs> Aaron's getting into it with his claws. <laughs> Just yeah, kidding. I mean, He's not. He's writing notes.
1: I mean, you know, the goal The goal is to step into a bat, not shoes, but, you know, feet, uh, just, for, just for a really um, immersive experience. You know, we always want to respect nature the best of our ability, and what better way to do that? than imagining yourself as a bat and imagining all those difficulties like imagine hanging upside down all day resting and as soon as it gets dark as soon as your tummy starts to rumble all you have to do is let go and boom you're flying you don't have to run and take off like a bird might you're you you know you can't see very well although you're not blind you're chirping or sending calls out to pick up on where things are not only insects but maybe buildings or caves or trees or people looking for bats so the goal is to you know imagine what it would be like to be a bat and hopefully people walk away with a better understanding a higher respect for these little guys
0: perfect well that's what we love to hear we do have to take a quick break but we will be right back you're listening to nevada wild if you enjoy listening to our podcast leave us a review on itunes and soundcloud for more information on hunting fishing, boating, and all things wildlife go to endow.org now back to the show welcome back to Nevada wild today we have our wildlife educator Jess Brooks joining us and we're talking all things bats for bat week before the break Jess was getting into all of the educational programs she has and the different things she teaches people about bats to get rid of all those misconceptions surrounding bats um so, Jess, one thing you said is, so we have a, a lot of our bat populations are, they're actually tiny, right?
1: Yeah, they're, a lot of their wingspan, when spread all the way out, are less than one foot. So they're a lot smaller than people might originally think or might realize. And that sort of makes it difficult for us to find them when we're looking, too. Got it.
2: And what, what is like the most common species that that we have that people people might be able to like look up on the internet
1: yeah we so I mentioned before that we have over 20 species of bats right here in our state of Nevada whenever I go on a discovery bat walk or even if I'm just listening from my backyard or when I'm camping the number one species that I hear is called a western pipistrelle Uh, They're very cute. They're really small, but the common name is a canyon bat, so those are the species that come out earlier, they leave a little bit later, they're super active wherever there's uh, a body of water close by, Um, and I believe that's also the species that gets picked up. First and more often in the rest of the state as well, not just the southern region. So if you look up earlier in the night and you see a little bat flapping around erratically, that's probably a canyon bat.
0: Okay, good to know. And then you guys said the reason I asked about sizes, and most of them are less than a foot, is you guys were talking about mega bats. Is that a size thing? What are these mega bats? Yeah, <laughs> I'm so, intrigued. So- yeah, in
1: the, I love talking about megabats. They're super fascinating. So in Nevada, all of our bats are pretty small. But in other parts of the world, there are species of bats called megabats. And just like the name describes, they are mega. They're huge. Wow. And the bats here in Nevada, you know, they eat insects. They're insectivores mostly. Megabats eat fruit. So they look a little bit different, other than the fact that them are that they are very big. Their wingspan alone, all you know, when spread out all the way, can be upwards of six feet.
0: Oh my which gosh! Is
1: crazy.
0: <laughs> I'm googling this right now. <laughs> and,
1: and they, yeah, you know, yeah, and they eat fruit mostly. So you know, their face, their face might look a little bit different compared to our Nevada bats. Our Nevada bats have larger ears compared to smaller eyes because they're listening for their food, mainly being insects. But megabats who eat fruit, they're relying on their eyesight to get their food, which is fruit. So their eyes will be huge compared to the rest of their skull, but their ears might be smaller because they're not using them as much. But they are very cute. Um, In fact, one of my dogs sort of looks like under <laughs> the They kind of the do wings. look like dogs. <laughs> and most mostly they're in the Philippines, but we do talk about diet and how that can affect what your body structure might be like with the, you know, whenever we go on a bat walk so people can get an idea of, you know, the bats here in Nevada might eat insects. But there are these other amazing bats out in the world that help humans in the same ways just a little bit differently and they eat all this fruit they're very
0: cute though I was gonna say some people might hear oh my god a giant bat and it scares them but um once again these are like you said fruit eating bats so they they don't want to suck your blood these mega bats and yeah. or I don't think they do at least just you know <laughs> they, no. it sounds like they just <laughs> want fruit so I think that's some of the while we're talking about bats for Halloween, it's that's some of the misconceptions is everyone thinks they want to suck people's blood. Um, they associate them with vampires and all the other things, but these bats might scare people. Some of these pictures, the way they look, but they're just here to eat fruit and help the environment. Really?
1: Yeah. And we do not, we is in Nevada, but in the world there are vampire bats, but They are not at all like people would imagine. They're very small. They don't hurt any animals. They're not going to land on you and stick their fangs in your neck and suck (laughs) your blood. That is the opposite of what they do. They actually will very softly and gently land on livestock, and they'll make a little tiny cut with their fangs or teeth, And then like lap up a little bit of blood and then fly away. Like the livestock usually has no idea that the bat even was there. And the little tiny cut that they make will um, heal very quickly. They have an anticoagulant in their saliva. So they're not doing any harm. That's just one of the ways that they feed. They're Hmm. not turning livestock or humans into vampires.
0: Got it yeah super interesting and that's the main thing we're just trying to get across that bats are great and I think Ashley <laughs> always, might dress up as a bat for I was Halloween. just showing him a picture of a She's bat Halloween a bat costume. costume they are so cute though and that's what um I think we did a post and it showed land puppies and it was a puppy and then it was sea puppies and it was like a little seal and then the last one was sky puppies and it was a bat because they do they almost look dog like. Yeah, and their babies
1: are actually called pups.
0: Oh, that's perfect then. So yeah I always perfect. forget that. <sighs> yeah. So, yeah,
1: bats are bats are super useful. We couldn't do we couldn't do a lot of the things we do without bats. Even their even their droppings, we call it guano. We use it for so many things. We put it in fertilizer to grow our crops. In the past we've had it in makeup for mascara oh. but that doesn't mean you should stop wearing mascara that doesn't happen hardly anymore but you know we have used it for so many different ways um and it's just so thoughtful and interesting to think about all the different ways that we have used bats and how they help us
0: and just they save so much like economic wise <laughs> i don't know that <laughs> Said that rate but they save so much money every year as far as um like farming goes so yeah, they... they're a natural pest
1: control exactly
0: and I think it's kind of scary to think how out of control bug populations would be without bats
1: absolutely um and just and not just insects you know earlier I mentioned they eat um you know moths and and, and uh, mosquitoes, but also, you know, scorpions and centipedes and millipedes and things like that. So it's kind of a little of everything. They cover, they cover it all.
2: What about, I don't know if you know, but do they target uh, Mormon crickets?
1: They can, depending on the season. So, you know, Mormon crickets are those huge crickets. And <laughs> even locusts can get pretty large. But if there's an abundance of um, Mormon crickets and locusts, that is exactly what bats will feed on. So it just depends on what's available.
2: Yeah, I was just thinking of creepy bugs, right? Halloween. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mormon crickets yeah. are gross.
1: <laughs> I think everybody
2: agrees that Mormon crickets yeah. are gross.
1: Absolutely. So. And even, even when we go on our discovery bat walks, I tell people, you know, we are feeding bats just by sitting outside, just by standing outside. Our body heat will attract mosquitoes and gnats and things. And... Bats will be able to pick up on that using echolocation. So it might seem like they're dive bombing us when they're hunting, but really all they want is that little insect that you're attracting with your body heat. So just by being outside, we're helping bats.
0: That's another one of those common misconceptions that bats just want to get caught up in hair and get tangled in your hair and attack you. But yeah, no. it's not the case at all. I was
2: joking that they just want to get in Ashley's hair. because yeah. It looks like a bird's. nest.
0: <laughs> it really does. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> it's my bun on my head every day ever yeah. since uh, the <laughs> pandemic.
2: Yeah. Um, as a kid, I remember seeing bats at the baseball fields when they would turn on the lights and all the mosquitoes and June bugs and stuff would come out. Then right away you'd see bats start coming across and watching them as a kid was always really cool
1: oh yeah and absolutely you can even step into your backyard or look out your kitchen window and if you have a street light that is also attracting insects that's a really great point
2: yep any other <laughs> trivia jess
1: um i just uh i just really hope <laughs> I just get really excited about bats. And
2: <laughs> I shared
1: all the big trivia facts with all of you today and um, I guess one additional trivia that I would say is um, bats are very easy to help. Um, a lot of people think that You know, just because we don't see them very often, just because they're mostly nocturnal and, you know, we might not see them at night doesn't mean that we can't really do anything for bats, but there's so much that we could do. One would be to, you know, don't use pesticides because they pick up on that pesticide if the insect has it on their body, but also, of course, don't litter um, if you're going to Um, Go out and look for bats. Simply being outside can attract bats, which is very cool. If you are going to look for bats in a cave or um, something like that, don't shine a light in there. In fact, if you're as quiet as possible, sometimes you can hear them leaving and chirping, that really high-pitched chirp that we talked about earlier. And you can also build a bat house. Utilize them like crazy they're very easy to put together and put up in one normal sized bat house that you can find instructions for building online probably 30 to 50 bats can cram themselves into that little tiny space so helping wow. bats is is you know fun and easy and also very helpful for the environment and bats
0: great information. I'm so glad we had you because at first you were like I could talk about the education I do but we don't have any bat walks coming up but I was like well, just talk about bats because <laughs> you're so full of information. Um just speaking of those education programs before we get going um well in the bat walks too, what when should people where should people be on the lookout for those? Like you said it's going to be closer to summer or during the summer, but when should they be on the lookout and where for those bat walks?
1: So all of our wildlife education happens throughout the state. I cover the southern region, but there's folks like me, amazing, passionate people all over the state that work for Endow, that do bat discovery walks too. And yes, exactly, they are more often in the summertime. Just keep an eye on our website and uh, click on whichever region you're in, and you'll see those come up may june july august september ish and like i said you know they do fill up pretty quickly but we have them as often as we possibly can so go to the website keep checking when the weather warms up a little bit
0: okay great thank you so much Jess, for taking the time to join us today yeah thank you for having me of course talk to you later